Well, hey, boys and girls, welcome to the and 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 everyone else, welcome to <laughs> Left on Red, uh, the podcast where where you uh, get to hear your favorite, your two favorite folks talk about just all the best stuff here yep. on Left on Red. <laughs> yeah, that's the subject matter. <laughs> all the best stuff with your two favorite folks. Listen, we got all the best stuff here for you. Okay, yeah. I got I got everything that you. We've got great stuff. We got beautiful stuff wonderful stuff folks absolutely <laughs> unbelievable um what's going on man in the in terms of stuff ours it's the best <laughs> uh, yeah, no, stuff not... things things you wouldn't believe yeah um yeah so i didn't uh i literally just I, i'm not even sure you saw the text i just saw this today i haven't had the chance to read it yet which is unfortunate but alan, alan dershowitz on a piece for fucking newsmax you know the maximum amount of news that you can have yeah uh, with the uh, the headline, what if Prince Andrew were innocent? <laughs> Just oh another Dersh bomb, dude. <laughs> oh God, dude, that's horrible. Yep, Dersh bomb. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What a guy, man. He's just gonna continue digging this hole with his nasty yellow teeth until he's yeah, dude, buried they, or just dude. They and... must have like like videos showing like full penetration from Dershowitz on oh, yeah. like underage girls for him to just constantly throw himself out there. He can't help it. Yeah, I mean, really yeah, can't. the man has never met a wife killer that he didn't want to represent in court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it was it Klaus von Bülow? Was that his yeah. uh, first famous case? And then I don't, I don't even think him. that was that his first famous wife killer? I'm not even sure that it was. I don't know. I just know that's the one that has a movie about it with Jeremy Irons. I don't. I've yeah, never it's a seen great it, but I remember. Uh, yeah, you told me it was good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I like Jeremy Irons. Anything with Jeremy Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is great. You yeah. have no idea. I just remember <laughs> seeing that that yeah. like trailer. Either you sent it to me, or I heard it on like a podcast or something. Yeah. You know, you're a very strange man, Klaus. You have no idea. No <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the David Cronenberg film, uh, Dead Ringers, that stars no. Jeremy Irons as two different uh, identical twin uh, gynecologists. gynecologists. Right? I've heard of this. Yeah, who become, like, drug addicts, and, like, one of them picks up chicks and then, like, tosses them to his identical twin brother because he can't, like, pick up any girls. And oh, then, like, man. <laughs> it's so fucking creepy. Sounds, sounds awesome. Sounds like a it's it's a David Cronenberg film. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um... Anything else? Anything else you want to talk about before we dive in? Um, I guess uh, some quick thoughts on two recent HBO limited series. Okay. Uh, Landscapers was awesome, sure. starring uh, Olivia Coleman and David the God Doolis uh, as just this like creepy, like English middle aged couple that like murdered one of their parents and then just like got away with it for like fifteen years until they ran out of money. Damn. <clears throat> and uh, kind of like blabbed. Wiki good. Very cool. Uh, like style, like ever, like very like stylized um, shots, but that one was really good. And Station Eleven, which is on HBO Max, also rolled. So sweet. They they both get the the recommendation, the Evan recommendation. The old finger guns point and recommend. Yeah. Pew, 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 pew. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I haven't watched anything, so I've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> cool. <laughs> TV wise. Yeah. But I've got a lot to talk about because I have like 15 pages of notes here. Um, that, that when you're ready, we can talk about. We can dive right in. We can discuss uh, Rome because we're doing our Rome thing. Um, yep. All right. So, 
as we've mentioned uh, last week when we had our episode about Domitian, uh, Evan and I are going to do a block of four episodes where we talk about ancient Rome, um, and that's because we like it, and there's a lot to talk about. And I know that I had mentioned at the last end of last episode that my two episodes are going to be about uh, Julius Caesar and the Gallic Wars and about um, Roman slavery. And I wasn't sure which one I wanted to do first. I decided to do slavery first because, um, I don't know, I just felt like it was important to talk about. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, let's start the show. Um, so welcome. Yeah, today's episode is going to be uh, about um, Roman slavery, and we're going to kind of focus on the late Republican period because I think that's when Roman slavery was at its greatest extent. Um, and also, mm-hmm. there's some pretty interesting events that occur then. Um, and then we're going to talk about the Servile Wars, which changed the face of Roman slavery forever. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> um, you guys are all very likely um, familiar with the words slave and, and enslavement and slavery. Um, the bulk of our audience, I think, like, what would you say, like 80% of our audience is American or from the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say something like 95% from the Anglosphere. Yeah. Oh, well, right. So <laughs> yeah. the bulk of our the bulk of our audience is from the U.S., and, and those of yeah. us that aren't are um, mostly native English speakers and at least like Western European. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who, so like who'd have thought that we are most popular in countries that speak English? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, the only reason I bring that up is because it's super likely that you all have a, a very particular view of, uh, the, the ancient and terrible human tradition of, of slavery and enslaving one another. Um, for Americans like us, um, this view is likely heavily tied in with sociocultural practices, which are also closely linked to race and economics. Yep. Um, and when I say Americans here, I'm not just doing the thing that lots of U.S. citizens like to do when they refer to themselves as Americans. Um, I'm referring to, to North and South Americans, um, basically anybody with European colonial ancestry. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is because while slavery in the U.S. is probably the most infamous example used in modern Western history, um, and, and possibly for good reason, um, the institution of slavery as a whole, uh, especially colonial slavery, is deeply ingrained in the history of, of the Americas. So, <clears throat> and I mean, we could uh, do a whole episode on, on that, um, because that's a whole different thing. Yeah, um, I mean, there, there were like communities in Brazil, where like after the American Civil War, uh, like plantation owners and shit went down to Brazil yeah. so that they could continue practicing slavery yeah, just think, to lose it like 20 years later. Yeah, I think Brazil <laughs> went on. I think I think Brazil was like the last Western nation to, to openly. I mean, there's still slavery going on today, but um, yeah, but I think they were the last like people to have it like they were the 1880s, I believe, something when like they that. outlawed it. And yeah. then, I mean, I know like there was also like slavery in Cuba mm. up until uh, the um. 
uh, the uh, Castro Revolution. Yeah, but, and yeah. and and there, like I said, there is still there are still forms of slavery going on all over the world yeah. um, that are less formalized. So when we say slavery here, what I'm talking about is like institutionalized, legal, like chattel. open yeah. chattel slavery. Yeah. Um, so not to discredit or to discount like the plights of the millions of people that are still enslaved. I don't want to pretend slavery is over. Um, but this specific type of slavery existed in a very specific part of human history. Um, so we might do an episode on that someday, but, um, in the meantime, yeah. because we're talking about Rome, I really thought that it would be kind of interesting to look at, uh, slavery, um, in Roman history, because, you know, as Evan knows, and anybody who's spent, you know, any amount of time reading about Roman history, slaves come up pretty much immediately. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> an inextric- inextricable part of Roman history, specifically, um, this sort of late Republican, early Imperial period where it's so massive and there are so many slaves in and around the Roman Romanosphere. Um, they just come up left and right. And I think it's really worth discussing because, you know, we can lapse into like some hero worship and talking about like all the cool military leaders and wild exploits of people and, you know, what a gangster Domitian was and all this stuff. But I think it's also kind of fun slash sad slash important to dive into like the less savory aspects of these cultures that we sort of mythologize and idolize. As I said, like Roman history is sort of inseparable from the idea of slavery. And that can kind of be said for um, civilized, quote unquote, human society as a whole. Um, the general consensus among historians is that uh, prior to the, the, the formation of these civilized human settlement centers, slavery was, was likely relatively unknown. Um, not to say that there weren't some form of like capturing enemy people and whatever, but um, our frame of reference for this is largely based on existing hunter-gatherer societies and written records from, from relatively modern times, um, which were all mostly written by Europeans um, or people that practice slavery. So take it all with a grain of salt. <clears throat> but uh, suffice it to say that in isolated subsistence cultures, like think hunter-gatherer societies, um, while violence and brutality absolutely take form and there, there's, you know, it's not an idyllic or like easy way of life by any means um there just isn't the same draw to to enslave people in the sense that we're talking about um this practice we owe directly to civilization um that is the collectivization of people into large cultural groups generally in urban centers uh with a vested interest in obtaining cheap i.e free uh labor for use in civic development and agriculture um the earliest records of slavery as a, as a codified systemic practice date back over 3,500 years uh, to the ancient, uh, I'm sorry, longer than that, 3,500 BCE. Um, <laughs> so that's what, 6,500 6, years or something? Yep. Uh, um, 5,522. Uh, to the ancient Mesopotamian civilizations of the Fertile Crescent. Um, and indeed, to the best of our knowledge, these are the very first civilizations, period. Um, I'm sure some ancient alien people would disagree. Maybe the Atlanteans yeah. had it. I don't know. Yeah, A- Atlantis, aka Antarctica. Come yeah, on, dude. that would be cool. <laughs> to be honest, if they found like evidence of Antarctic slavery, <laughs> what a glorious <laughs> human tradition. Yeah, just like ice giants enslaving people in Antarctica. <laughs> predators, predators, like space predators from yeah. Predator. You know, predators uh, enslaving <laughs> people under the Antarctic ice to hunt them. Yeah. Uh, in or the Bloodsport. engineers from Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the or Jabba the Hutt <laughs> from Star Wars. He had slaves. 
<laughs> um, so this <laughs> good one, dude. <laughs> Thanks, man. Just hitting hitting fucking dong shots here. So yeah, dude. Uh, just, yeah, stroke that dong piece right out, dude. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So slavery goes way back. It goes way, way back, all the way back to the ancient subterranean uh, worm people who used to rule this planet before our four, four, four fathers and mothers. Yeah. Um. So it should be no surprise that by the time of the Romans, it's it's still a massive part of of social practice. Oh, you look like you were signing, like you were going to say something, but instead you just stuck your fingers in your mouth. and I had yeah. something in my teeth. Yeah. You know. Like a popcorn kernel? No, no. Uh, it was some kind of like spice I just ate. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah, like, like black pepper. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah that'll happen. <laughs> Is that okay? Am I allowed to do that? No, of course it's okay. <laughs> I was just saying, I, I paused for a second because it looked like yeah. you were like this, but it looked maybe you were just examining like, hmm, which nail will best extract <laughs> this, this kernel of pepper from my teeth? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so the act of forcing fellow humans into servitude um, is uh, deeply ingrained in Roman society and Roman history. Um, and while plenty of earlier societies and, and contemporary tribal societies at the time um, practiced slavery in certain ways or to certain degrees, um, the degree to which the Romans sort of legalized and codified the capture and sale um, of slaves is, is super unique. And they're sort of one of the first societies to really invest uh, the amount of energy they did into the structure and the uh, the legalization of the slave trade. And that has far-reaching effects in Western history, um, which are which are negative effects, right? Because just like, you know, the Romans are the um, progenitors of, of most other areas of Western law and legal theory, um, this is one, like, really fucked up area where they were just like, yeah, we're going to be the best at enslaving people. We're going to just get really good at it. And yep. we're going to just document oh. it really thoroughly. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can pass that knowledge on to future generations so they can enslave people really good, too. Which is, so, you know, thanks, Rom. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool and good. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, we're going to leave behind uh, the, the glory and the hero worship uh, for a minute. And we're going to embark on what I hope will be kind of a, a frank and unapologetic examination of slavery in the Roman world. Um, and then we will talk about some some really badass slave revolts. Um, and we can hero worship them because, you know, slave revolts rule. Like, just fucking overthrow your masters. Um, all right. No way you'll never make it. Come with the weak shit, I break it. Step into my zone, mad rhymes will stifle you. Lines like rifles go blast when I kick some ass. A lot of rappers be like one-time wonders. Couldn't say a fly rhyme if there was one right under their noses. I hate those motherfucking poses, but I'm so real to them it's scary. And with my unique skills, nah, you can't compare me. And no, we don't make whack tracks. And all the suckers get pushed back when I'm kicking real facts. I represent, set up shit like a tech boy. You're paranoid because you're a son like Elroy. And you'd be happy as hell to get a record deal. Maybe your soul you'd sell to have massive So before we do that, um, I have like a brief, I guess, disclaimer. Um, I want to touch upon sort of the last part of what I just said first. Um, I definitely want to try to be kind of unapologetic here. We tend to, like, Evan and I, I've noticed when we talk about, like, you know, dictators and, like, people doing bad shit, sometimes we'll be really blasé about it. And so you might hear that here. Like, there's plenty of room to laugh in sort of an ironic way about a lot of this awful shit. Um, <clears throat> but I want to make it really clear uh, that we're, we don't like slavery. Evan uh, is a reformed slaver. I personally have never been a slaver. Um, and so... 
you know, we don't like it. We're an, we're an anti-slavery podcast. And so the only reason that I mention it um, at all, besides just being, you know, <laughs> a cuck, is that... <laughs> yeah, um, so brave, dude. Taking the anti-slavery stance. I know, dude. I'm making so brave. <laughs> no, but so... Um, I, uh, I, gonna... I just want to make it clear that I am anti-slavery. Yeah. Uh, my shirt that's saying, just to make it clear, I'm anti-slavery, has a lot of people asking questions already answered by my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's a good joke that you repeated. Um, so yeah. the only reason I mention it, like I said, is because we're going to do a lot of talking about like ways in which Roman slavery like was not as severe as later American chattel slavery, right? And I feel like when people do stuff like that, there's room for like um folks listening who might be like keyboard warriors or like looking for reasons to like find to take issue with a certain subject being presented. Um and and none of that is going to be like in an attempt to to say like see the Romans were like way more enlightened or like they were way better like I think there's something about like a certain subset of sort of uh white dudes who are really into like Roman and European military history where they start getting kind of apologetic about things um and we're not doing that that's not our vibe um slavery sucks and the Romans were fucking bastards for doing it <laughs> Um, that's basically it. I just want, I don't want anybody to think that we're like apologists for this shit. Cause you know, I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. So slavery in Rome. Um, so with that awkward moment out of the way, which I think yeah, Evan, like... Evan resents me for, but I felt was necessary. Yeah. Um, let's dive in and examine slavery in the ancient For real, world. we are not into slavery. Yeah. Believe it or not. Like, the more you say it, the more, I the promise. more true it becomes. Yeah. I'm just going to reinforce that I don't like slavery. Um, so, um, so anyway, slavery. Slavery in Rome. Um, it is basically, as far as anyone knows, uh, as far as any sources we have now, it's it's been a part of Roman society or was a part of Roman society basically from the beginning. Um I'm sure some or all of you have heard of the mythological foundation of Rome by the twins Romulus and Remus. Rome is obviously named after Romulus. He killed his brother. They were fed by a she-wolf, that whole fucking thing. Um, obviously, this is, at, at, at best, mostly legendary and, and more likely. I think it's true. <laughs> I believe that's just part of it. That's because you're a furry, and the idea of breastfeeding from a wolf is your fetish. Yeah, that's my the one thing I've wanted my entire life. Breastfeeding like, from a... kidding me? Breast and you're feed. gonna take it away from these two, these two menches? No, fuck off. Evan, Evan wants to breastfeed from a large anthropomorph. Anthropomorphized no, 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 no. You got it wrong. Wolf. I want to be the wolf breastfeeding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My so, one desire, dude. Absolutely. Um, <coughs> so anyway, even though this is like definitely all bullshit, um, the important thing is that to the Romans who who to varying degrees, believed this narrative. Slavery had been going on since day one. Um, Romulus, one of the first things he did after killing his brother and founding the beautiful par uh, paradise of Rome, um, which was like a mud pit populated by rapists and criminals. That uh, nothing bad ever happened in. Nothing bad ever did or ever will happen there. Yeah. Um, he legalized the sale of one's own children uh, into slavery um, in order to, to recoup uh, the costs of picking up and moving to Rome, which is great. I mean, I, frankly, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes not all kids are great. Sometimes yeah. they're annoying. If you got kids that are like little assholes, like, fuck it, sell them. Yeah, you Maybe go, kid. Get something out of the deal. They'll build character. Fuck um, 
So again, I'd like to reiterate that we are not pro-slavery and that... Uh, <laughs> um, so the 12 tables, uh, which are the oldest documented Roman legal code, uh, and I think are, is it 449 BCE, um, are the foundation of Roman law. Um, they make mention of slavery. It's brief, but it's in there. Um, of particular import to the Roman slave trade was the Roman concept of the ius gentium, which I'm not great at Latin, but I think that's how you say it, or the law of states slash nations. Um, so the ius, the ius gentium um, is not a written or a codified law. Um, it's sort of this loose uh, conceptual legal theory um, put together by multiple uh, Roman jurists, which are just sort of like legal perverts. They're definitely legal perverts, but what's the word? Is it the- theoreticians? Is that a word? Maybe, yeah. Theor- I guess so, yeah. yeah. Somebody, they were um... just weird old dudes. They were all dudes. Um, I think this was Ulpius was, is one of the big ones, um, but he was the one who sort of proposed this. But they, they would just sit around and just figure out Roman law, and they didn't necessarily write it, but they were more talking about like the proper way to interpret Roman law. And... They came up with this concept of the ius agentium, um, which is this sort of loose idea that um, even outside the boundaries of Rome proper or the Roman provinces, which were under the subject of, of actual codified Roman law, all human beings possess uh, a basic law um, and, and, and set of rights and freedoms, which sounds way more awesome than it actually was in practice. Um, because uh, theoretically, while the ius agentium proposed that Every single person was born uh, free and and enfranchised and had their own, you know, right to live their life. Um, This is not an actual practice law. Um, It's what they call natural law. And so just because they believe it to be true doesn't mean that they, like, respect it or, like, (laughs) that it has any standing in, like, a Roman court of law. Ancient libertarians did. Yeah, right. All men (laughs) are created equal. Yeah, this is some sovereign citizen shit. Basically what they're saying is, like, you're born free, and so am I, and I have the right to take that freedom. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's one of my freedoms is the right to take yours Yeah, you were born free to defend yourself. Yeah, right. (laughs) And if you can't, well, really, though, like, if you you cannot effectively, then I have rights to you by, like, right of conquest. Um... But also, obviously, like, and this kind of goes without saying, but it doesn't include, like, women or children. or It's, like, just men. And uh, that's how it's always been, just for most of history, which is dope. <laughs> and I'd like to yeah. just, like, take a moment to do a disclaimer and, like, just make it clear that Evan and I are... are <laughs> Every five minutes, I must remind the yeah. listeners. Evan and, I, Evan and I believe in the equal rights of all humans, regardless of gender yeah. um, or age. I believe that a child of two has as much right as a man of a hundred and two. Um, <laughs> Again, libertarians. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> seriously. It's like that, what is that meme that was going around a while ago? It was like some captured tweet. It was this guy talking about Greta Thunberg. Where he was like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not even saying this to be, I'm not even saying this to be inflammatory, but if Greta Thunberg at 16 has enough, uh, enough maturity to dictate global climate policy, then a 16 year old, then you can't be mad at Jeffrey Epstein for having <laughs> sex with, for paying 16 year old girls for sex. And then somebody yeah. responds like, if you're so smart, then how come I can't have sex with you? Checkmate <laughs> <Yeah>. liberals. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's. That's the thing with libertarians, man. The reason they hate Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is that she took their uh, she took their acronym, A- right. AOC, what Age of that? Consent. Oh, Age of Consent. <laughs> that took me a second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So just let's uh, remind the audience that we are an anti-libertarian podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're. <laughs> I'd like to just make a, take a moment to. to... <laughs> 
<laughs> make a disclaimer um <laughs> we're fascists so uh anyway um <clears throat> so included in the eos gentium um are these sort of provisions as we were just sort of talking about for like the right and proper ways to acquire slaves so basically like you're free i'm free uh <laughs> you are free to defend yourself from me when i come to take your shit and uh, if you do and you fail then you're mine um so an enemy population that was subdued through force of arms uh, was subject to being enslaved and sold by their captors. Or they could just, like, all be killed. And nothing was considered morally or legally wrong with this. This was well within the purview of proper military conduct or social behavior. Um, <clears throat> these captured slaves, uh, or those otherwise born free but sold into slavery, were generally known as servi, um, which is the general Latin term for a slave. These would be distinguished back home from vernae, uh, or wernai, which were slaves who were born into slavery. Um, the reason there's a distinction is because slaves born into slavery a lot of the time are, it's kind of a Thomas Jefferson scenario, where they're the children nice. of, of the masters or members of the household. Um, slaves could also get married to each other, but um, in ancient Rome, slaves were literally the property of their masters, um, especially in the, the late Republican period. This was like they were really under the boot, um, had had no no or few rights to their own bodies. So not only could they be bought and sold, obviously, that's kind of the whole thing, um, but they could also be corporeally punished and even killed at their master's discretion with no legal consequence. Um, and masters obviously had complete sexual rights to the bodies of their slaves, uh, whether for their own weird shit uh, or to pimp them out to others. So uh, culturally, vicious treatment of one's slaves is is frowned upon, but generally this just meant like public vicious treatments of slaves was was frowned yeah. upon. So like, beat um, your slaves in the comfort of your own home. Don't right. take it to the street. I don't want to see your mess. Um, it's <clears throat> disturbingly similar to the way that that a modern society tends to view treatment of animals. Um, so like nobody wants to see you kick your dog, right? Like people would get mad at you and there'd be vicious yeah. outcry, but like most meat eating people, which is most people, they don't think too hard about what goes on in a commercial slaughterhouse. Like yeah. you're fine yeah, with like yeah. atrocities behind the scenes, but you just don't want to see it in the street. Like, as long as you still get your treats. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, for instance, it's especially like the way that like people like are racist about like Koreans or something like eating dogs. Yeah. But then they eat hamburgers. Well, right. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like um, the same thing. Like, you know, when I went to Italy, I tried horse. And, like, people have this thing yeah. about horses just because they're on Lisa yeah, Frank. Yeah, horse meat's fucking, pretty popular in Europe, right? It's lean, it's healthy, it's readily yeah. available. If you're going to eat meat, don't be fucking weird about it. Like, either do yeah, it or don't do it. Yeah, it's do weird it. to pick and choose which animals it's yeah. okay. Yeah, like, you to, have to, to like, kill and eat. There has to be, like, a certain acknowledgement of, like, what you're taking part in. And if you're unable yeah. to stomach that then maybe then maybe you shouldn't be eating meat and like I'm, yeah that's a whole conversation there's there's a lot of really good arguments just not yeah. to do it yeah i mean i would <laughs> i would say and i i eat meat but yeah i would say it's probably all morally indefensible yeah yeah it's it's because <laughs> it's, you can get it's tough to make uh, a, a, an argument for it right like yeah. the the main argument i think most people have for it which is flimsy is just like i like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's what I'm used to, and I like it, and it would be yeah. it would be hard for me to stop. And that, you know, I include myself in that sort of yeah. pussy category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not like like elite vegans. Like, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But um, whatever. Moral weakness is is a part of my character. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the narrative. So as I said, um, a resisting enemy force could be killed or captured at will by their conquerors. Um, but if that population is brought under the Roman fold through means of diplomacy or other peaceful negotiation, um, theoretically, according to this Eos Gentium, they, they should be shielded from enslavement or execution. Um, again, 
this is just a societal concept. So really the character of the particular Roman officer in charge in a given conflict is going to kind of determine whether they pay attention to this or not. Um, Kate, is it Cato the Elder, Cato the Younger, famously, you know, talked about, like, going to war against the Spanish and, like, uh, sacking more Spanish towns than days he spent in <laughs> Spain. And, yeah. like, he was literally just, like, rampaging through the countryside, just, like, burning and pillaging, like, innocent villages and just, like, killing and enslaving as many people as he could. Um, and his whole thought was, I guess back in the day, if you were going to have uh, a triumph, which we talked about last week, if you were going to have a triumph accorded to you, um, there was like a rough uh, body count you needed to achieve. And so he was like, fuck it. I want that triumph. Like, I don't care. Men, women, children. I'm going to get that 5,000 or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it, it depends on the person who's in charge. <laughs> they may or may not pay attention to this because, like I said, it's not like anybody's going to sue them for it when they go back home. They might just look at you and be like, you didn't follow the Euskentium. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Anyway, here's your triumph. <laughs> like, you did it. Um, <clears throat> where am I? Okay. Uh, so slavery in Rome, though ancient in practice, as I've said, uh, peaks around the turn of the first century BCE, with current estimates guessing that roughly 3 million slaves lived within the confines of the Italian peninsula. And considering the fact that there were like 7 or 8 million people total in the Italian peninsula, it's like around 40% of the entire population of Italy at that time. Um, this is a direct re- reflection of the, the massive milita- military campaigns that Rome had been um, undertaking abroad over the past century and a half or whatever. You know, the Punic Wars and, and going to war in Greece, things like that. <clears throat> so even up, you know, the Gallic Wars are going to start really taking off in the next century, going up into Germany. So there's just a lot of expansion. There's a lot of military captives coming in. Um, it also does reflect, and we're not going to talk too much about this, but um, there was a huge increase in piracy in the Mediterranean at this point. Um, that comes up later, like Julius Caesar famously captured by pirates, this whole thing. Yep. Um, so there's a huge influx in pirates throughout the Mediterranean. And one of their main sources of income was raiding coastal territories, capturing people, selling them to Rome. Makes a lot of money for them. So um, after this period, the scope and scale of Roman slavery is going to decline fairly rapidly uh, in the imperial period. Um, And there are going to be reforms passed, which nominally limited uh, a master's ability to dominate and abuse their slaves. Um, And there is a very good reason that this is going to occur, um, which is going to be like the second half of our episode. Um, By the fall of the Western Empire, slavery was a relatively rare and was mostly reserved for the absolute societal elites. Um, And by this point, many slaves had nearly as many rights as free men. Um, A lot of this has to do with the reason they were being kept as slaves and who was keeping them. These weren't like plantation slaves or rural agricultural slaves. They were like living in manor houses and tutoring kids and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, slavery is slavery. Um, In every case, it's different. Um, Any participation in the system is, is, I would say, morally evil. But... um, this is that sort of point where I was talking about at the start where I'm like, I'm not trying to say that like, and but it was good slavery. Like, no, nah, it still sucks, but you know, at least they're not just being like fucking made to fight in gladi- gladiatorial combat anymore and shit like that. Um, <clears throat> but I digress. Uh, we are going to hone in on the late Republican period today. Um, cause I think that's like the most classic view of Roman slavery. Um, especially as we have documentation of it. But before we do that, um, I kind of want to do like an, an aside and just talk about like, what slaves in Rome did, like why people had them and what they were used for. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
this night and those freaking hips and shrimps. I'm making to make enough noise like bam bam. Throw boulders from bedrock, you'll get dropped by slam man. So check it. I'm making direct it quick. Oh, shucks. I give it to got big ducks like daddy quar bucks. Oh, Anna. I'm making direct the coca, cabana, banana, split. I'm ripping the ripping flesh, but I get fresh like this. Shish, shiggity shush, kid, you'll get done. Squish for fun. I riggedy rhyme like no one. I riggedy bump, riggedy rust, chiggity jumps, I'm savage. I shake them up and down like the Dow Jones average. I'm cocky like Rocky. I riggedy bangs the best. So diggity tell your friend, chunk, cause here comes Dasa Vex. And let me tell you, uh, especially during the late Republican period, um, the answer to that is like basically fucking everything. Slaves were everywhere. As I said, it's almost half of the entire population. So for every one and a half people, there's a slave. One one and a half free people, because slaves are people. Uh, There's a slave. (laughs) Um, So at this point, Rome is now master of the Mediterranean. The Punic Wars are over. Uh, they 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 have dominated this entire region. And so captives are pouring into the provinces. So you might have Germanic tribes, people, Gauls, Syrian refugees, um, North African war captives, um, captured scribes and philosophers from Greece, uh, and everything in between. Any kind of person that you can imagine that surrounds Rome has been enslaved. Um, There are still uh, Italian slaves, you know. Um, That's less and less common, but, um, you know, not all peoples in Italy were Roman. And... It was very, very recent to this time period that that started to kind of become the conceptualized notion, right? Prior to, you know, in the previous centuries, it was the Romans were the people in Latium, and then everyone else around them was enemies, and they mm-hmm. were, you know, themselves enslaved. So it's it's it gets kind of muddy, it gets kind of messy, but there's slaves of every different shape and size and color and gender and age and whatever. <clears throat> So that is one major difference. You know, I think we tend to, when we visualize slavery, especially as people from the U.S. <coughs> and other parts of the Americas, we have this very racialized view of it. And now the Romans were racist, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> they didn't like pretty much anybody. But yeah. it wasn't a specific group that was targeted. It was basically everyone that wasn't them. Um, yeah. So so similar but different. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, they, they were racist. And, and the reason I brought up all these different... Um, geological and, and and cultural distinctions in terms of like the different peoples that are coming in is they they mattered a lot to the Romans when they were buying slaves and what they used them for. Um, so you would see educated Greek slaves uh, serving in the households of nobles, tutoring their kids, managing financial accounts, um, acting as scribes for famous orators and historians, just generally being tri- treated better than most other slaves. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, the Romans like heavily fetishized the Greeks to like a like a really weird degree. Like, so a good a good analogy would be like the way that Evan thinks about being a uh, an anthropomorphized male wolf breastfeeding Romulus and Remus. That's mm-hmm. how hot and heavy the Romans were for Greek culture. Yeah, just suckling on my wolf teats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that may give you my milk, boys. I will make you strong. Mm. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sounds like somebody else is starting to fetishize it. I can't help it, dude. When you talk about something that hot, it's hard not to let it. It's yeah, like it dude. just worms its way into your head. Yeah, we're, we'll make furries of all of our listeners. Absolutely, that's the goal. We should yeah. slowly transition into like a just a furry podcast, oh. but it's like with the goal of like converting other people to being furries. <laughs> yeah, furry pro- proselytizing. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Um, 
so uh, even when the Romans were like literally like destroying their their cultural centers and enslaving them and capturing them, there is this weird degree of cultural reverence. I wrote cultural reference, but it's reverence. Um, and you can contrast this with the treatment of Gallic, Germanic, North African slaves, um, and you begin to see Roman disdain for the quote barbarous peoples on their non-Greek borders. So, you know, not a hot take. Rome basically just absorbed and bastardized like every element of Greek culture and. Then we're like, yeah, because the Greeks forever had been like, we are the center of civilization. And the Romans like, yeah, 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 we are. And the Greeks were like, uh, who, what, what, who are yeah. you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's us. It's it's you and us, and we're we're just alike. And yeah. and then finally, the way that they proved it, they're like, they conquered Greece, and they were like, yeah, now, yeah, yeah you can't cause barbarians now, huh? Yeah, <laughs> we own you, bitch. <laughs> yep, Greece is Rome, baby. And we'll um, talk more about that next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, just suffice it to say, the Greeks, have, the Romans have this weird thing about Greeks, and, and yeah. they are constantly like shitting on them. But also, like they're just like, but like looking them, like what, what cool shit are they doing now? Yeah, the Greeks oh. invented sex, but the Romans invented having it with women. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> shitty execution. <laughs> the Greeks invented yeah. making love; the Romans did it to women. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a great joke, though. <laughs> it's a really good joke. Like, have you seen, man? I just there was some. Uh, it's another stupid history meme where it's like some guy on Facebook who's like mad at the Assassin's Creed, the one that takes place in Greece. And he's just like, why are you as you're bastardizing Greek history by allowing uh, the player character to engage in, in homosexual relationships? Uh, this is oh, not a representation. This. this is not a representation of Greek culture. And, and I demand that it be removed from the game. And some other guy's like. LOL, dude thinks ancient Greece wasn't gay. <laughs> and then the guy's like, well, I know that ancient Greece followed the teachings of Christ. <laughs> I have not seen this. this oh, is good. it's so funny. I got to send it to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> LOL, dude thinks ancient Greece wasn't gay. I mean, he must be trolling. I <laughs> There's just... no way. I think it was real. I think some people are just stupid and they just don't know. Um, you guys can Google it. Just fill in the blanks. Um. <clears throat> So these uh, barbarous peoples, these non-Greek, non-Roman people, right, um, barbarous by their definition, um, would be far more likely to put in menial positions, um, subjected to super severe physical treatment, sold to brothels, uh, or famously sent to fight in gladiatorial exhibitions for uh, the amusement of the masses. Um, none of this is to say that a Greek slave couldn't be subject to these things or that a Libyan slave might not find a cushy position as a noble's tutor. Um, but as I said, the Romans had their prejudices, and so these do play a, a big part in um, their use of the peoples that they captured and enslaved. Uh, a quick note about gladiator shit, uh, because we're going to talk a little bit about gladiators this episode, and you're, you might be like, why isn't he doing like more about it? I, I think I want to do a gladiator episode at some point just because it's fucking cool. Um but you should know that generally um, the combatants in these games were enslaved, former soldiers and warriors, um, or just people who showed a degree of aptitude in combat um, and were sent off to learn the highly ritualized combat that played out in Roman amphitheaters. Um, <clears throat> the Coliseum doesn't exist yet, so it's not like the movie Gladiator at all. Um, so get that out of your head. And also, I just think it's important to mention that gladiatorial combat um, was a lot more like uh, like pro wrestling or like mm -hmm. even like bullfighting, when it, especially when it comes to like them fighting animals, um, yeah, yeah. than it gets shown in movies and TV. Um, it was actually super rare for combat to result in serious injury or death, just because like how can you make money off of a gladiator if he just dies every time, right? Like, yeah. So um, until even, like Emperor Commodus, who 
right. as I briefly mentioned last time, did such insane and horrific things as tie together disabled people, pretend they were giants, mm-hmm. and just personally hack them to pieces. Yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> really there will be shit. periods of time under certain yeah. rulers or um, for specific, you know, events um, where this is changed or stretched or whatever. Um, but it is it is rare for, for a serious injury or death to occur, and that's usually accidental. Um, or, you know, if two guys have a particular grudge, yeah. somebody might get in a cheap shot and try to cut somebody, like, really bad, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the slaughter of exotic beasts, like I sort of tied yeah, that, that was... to... That's yeah. real. I mean, they would actually kill these animals, but it was sort of like bullfighting. So, you know, that tiger might be drugged or it might have been fucking stabbed. Or, in yeah, the neck they would right like before. injure it before. Yeah. Um, and it was really brutal. It's, it's, it's a total shitty blood sport, but it yeah. wasn't like, you know, in, in Gladiator where it's like, you know, you just got to fight this tiger. Like, they didn't want to see the tiger win most of the time. <laughs> later, again, later you might see this where they throw like slaves in and they're just like, let these fucking lions eat them. Like, that does happen, um, but yeah. it's not as big of a deal yet. This is still the pre-Christian world. Um, that actually does happen, throwing Christians to the lions. Who yeah. is it? Nero who does that? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. I think also, didn't didn't Domitian like, really hate Christians? No, no, we talked about last oh, week. Oh, no, no, he... Domitian was cool with them. Yeah, he, he like curtailed prosecutions against Jews and Christians. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I just, whatever, I misremembered. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, all this like little aside about jobs and gladiators and shit. Um, I do want to talk about now the event or events um, that lead to um, the sharp decline um, in the slave population, and also you know what what finally kind of affects the Romans enough to make them start to slowly, and I'm talking about over centuries, um, change their attitudes towards slavery as a whole and the way that slaves uh, should be treated in particular. So we're talking about the Servile Wars, baby. Honey, with my man Stud Doogie Love, dropping 2000. Dig the way this go down. Check it. I hit a flow off, dipped in low, sit back and sit more as I count my dough. Grand Pooba Maxwell, Doogie, coming with the New York. We keep it real like jail when we might talk. Honey's no cuz when I'm in a set, Grand Pooba is the one who makes they stink box wet. So let me tell you something, lady, when you flow this flow, then it's all cream and baby. I made this one for the brothers in the party, to find a hearty and dance body to body. Step one, first you grab honey by the waist. Step two, then you move out of ghetto face. Step three, then you look the dead in the face. Step four, now it's time to lead this place. Hold up, be careful of the cheesers, the teasers, the one who wants to... Uh, the Servile Wars are super interesting for several reasons, um, and they remain culturally relevant today, though you might not initially realize it. Um, essentially, these these wars uh, were actually three successive large-scale slave revolts uh, during the late Republican period of Roman history that would have a massive impact uh, on both the way slaves were treated within Rome and also the number of slaves kept by Roman citizens. So you see during this period, which runs basically from 135 to 71 BCE, that's just the Servile Wars, not the whole late Republican period, uh, even Roman families of relatively modest social standing could have at least one slave. Um, because of the massive amount of uh, military successes abroad, as we've said, there's a huge influx of, of captives and slaves uh, flooding the Roman market. And whenever you flood the market with any commodity, I hate to say it, um, the price of that commodity drops. And so um, suddenly people who weren't nobles or whatever could afford to buy someone to help them with their chores and whatever. And it's worth noting that, you know, generally speaking, in these... Uh, 
instances where it's like a poor family that like might have like a slave. Um, not to say that they were treated well, but you're not going to see the same kind of atrocities because like as fucking terrible as it is to say, like they can't like afford to just like keep buying slaves. So it's really when you start talking about these like rich fucks, it's always the rich fucks. That's where you start to see the real freaky shit. Um, um, the downside, um, quote unquote to the large slave population, um, is that eventually, uh, all of these unjustly held captives are going to realize just how many of them there are, uh, and how delicate and unprotected their sweet, supple Roman masters seemed. Um, it's important to note that at this time, uh, especially the Roman Senate, which is still the governing body of the empire, if you can call it an empire yet, uh, forbade the garrisoning of troops on Italian soil. Uh, this is generally to prevent popular generals from seizing power with the help of their legions. And I mean, give it a few years, because that's just going to become the fucking... <clears throat> that's like the whole second half of Roman history. <laughs> it's just that yeah. happening every couple years. Uh, but it had the double effect of leaving the peninsula itself relatively unprotected from internal threats. Um, obviously, cities would have like local watch garrisons sometimes, and there were small contingents of like personal bodyguards and stuff. But there's no centralized or organized police force or national guard or anything like that. Um, and cognates to those things will slowly start to crop up, largely in response to things like this. So it's also important to recall my earlier mention that the vast majority of slaves at this point were war captives. Uh, So this meant that among the male slave population, and likely some of the women too, um, though the Romans never liked to document shit like this because it's such a patriarchal society and and they hate the idea of women in like any kind of like respected or heroic role, Um, especially like fighting. It's just not something they acknowledge or believe in. Um, So a large amount of these uh, captives would have been veteran warriors from various cultures uh, with whom the Romans had clashed. Not all of them, you know, they were taken all sorts, but um, there were large amounts of these people that had combat experience. Um, so they knew their way around arms and armor and to varying degrees had, had a knowledge of tactics. Um, they'd fought against Romans before, or in some cases fought with Romans before as auxiliaries. Um, and that, so that's just important to know. So things reach a boiling point when uh, sections of this huge slave population started to realize that, hey, I don't want to take this shit anymore. Being a slave kind of sucks, and I don't want to do it. So I think I'm going to fucking kill this guy who owns me, and I'm going to try to run away. Yep. So the first Servile War, um, which ran from 135 to 132 BCE, uh, occurs on the island of Sicily, uh, which has long been part of, uh, or had long been part of Magna Graecia, which is like the greater Greek cultural sphere. Um, so so Italy was, uh, I'm sorry, Sicily and southern Italy as a, as a, a bigger area were, were pretty Greek for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sicily fell under Carthaginian influence, but by now, in the last 30 years, 40 years, um, was firmly under Roman control. Oh, longer than that. Um, was firmly under Roman control following the defeat of the Carthaginians in the Second Punic War, um, which is, you know, when Hannibal crossed the Alps and whatever. But one of the, the concessions uh, after the Romans finally pulled out the win in that one was that they got Sicily. Um, so they've had Sicily for 80 years or something. Um, so the revolt was led by a slave named, uh, Eunice, uh, who was a Syrian, uh, who claimed, or a Syrian, not a Syrian, uh, who claimed <laughs> to be a prophet of the goddess Atargatis, who was a, a Syrian goddess, um, who gave him visions of freedom for all slaves. Um, he gathered up a force of 400 slaves and quickly took control of the central Sicilian city of Enna and proclaimed himself king of the slaves. Um, and he takes the name Antiochus. After the Antigonid rulers, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Antiochid rulers of the Seleucid dynasty, um, Seleucid Empire, which ruled in his homeland. Um, 
still at this point they rule over the next within the course of what we're talking about the romans will eventually fucking stamp them out too um fun fact the seleucids uh were the descendants of one of the diadochi kingdoms that arose after alexander the great fell um and his empire was splintered among his top generals and descendants so throwback to our uh alexander the great movie night episode which you guys should go check out almost simultaneously a second revolt takes place in the southern city of agrigentum led by a Cilician named cleon uh, who would then storm northwoods join his forces with eunice and they would capture several more set, uh, central sicilian cities and successfully hold them against roman assault for three years or so uh, the Senate finally musters two assaults in 133 and 132 under two successive consuls, uh, Lucius Calpurnius Piso and Publius yeah, yeah. Rupilius, uh, who did a quick one-two punch uh, and retook all the lost territory, putting like 30,000 slaves to death and just shutting everyone up real quick. Um, and most of these guys were crucified. The Romans liked to do that. That was their chief way of killing people and sending out a message. Yep. <coughs> uh, the Second Servile War would also take place in Sicily. Uh, and this takes place between 104 and 100 BCE and is led by a slave named Salvius, uh, who would model himself after Eunice and also claimed Antiochid descent, taking the name Tryphon. Now, uh, this all occurred during the unprecedented consular reign of a guy named Gaius Marius. Uh, who yeah. des he deserves his own episode because he's a fucking gangster. Yeah. Um, but suffice it to say, he's one of the guys, uh, along with uh, Lucius Cornelius Sulla, who's going to come along yeah. later. I know, another gangster, um, <laughs> yep. who's going to clash. They're going to clash together. And they sort of set the precedent um, for guys like Julius Caesar, um, who would just sort of take power in Rome for a lot longer than a, a guy was supposed to. Yeah. Um, and it sort of develops into what becomes the empire over the next couple hundred years, next hundred or so years. Um, <clears throat> but so at this point, he's like the absolute dominant force in Roman politics and military life. He's the guy who basically single-handedly reforms, uh, the Roman legions into their, their now sort of famous form. Like if you look up a Roman legion, legionary and see them in like the Lorica segmentata armor with like yep. the helmet, with the thing on the back and the Pila with the legions. Yeah. And the big square yeah. red shields. And they all have, you know, um, mass produced, uh, identical equipment and things like that. That's mm -hmm. all Marius. Um, he built on earlier reforms with, like, the manipular system, which mm -hmm. Evan is going to talk about, um, and just decided, like, we need to make our, our fighting force, like, a, a, just the most professional force that's ever existed. Yeah, he made it a career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he models that as, like, a, like, a, like, just a profession that you can have. You are a soldier, and that's your job. You're not, like, a farmer who, you know, when the time is right, you grab your shit and you go, go and fight. It's a little poem for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. Basically, um, Marius was trying to gather an army for a war in the north with some Gallic tribes. Uh, and so, when he calls on the Roman client kingdom of Bithynia in the east for men, uh, the king of Bithynia refuses, um, which not a smart move to say no to Marius, but he has a good point, which is that all of our able bodied men uh, have been enslaved and fucking sent to Rome because after you beat us in battle, we couldn't afford the war reparations and couldn't pay taxes. So you just sent people in and took all of our young men and now they're slaves. So who am I supposed to fucking send to you? And so Marius is like, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, that's kind of shitty that we did that to you. So uh, he decrees that no slaves are to be taken from territories that are allied to Rome or that are paying tribute to Rome. So once they are defeated and once they are part of the, the Roman sphere, no more taken slaves. Now, again, Rome's fucky and they'll find ways to do this anyway. But um, 
he also decrees that any such slaves already in captivity should be freed um, if they can prove their descent from Roman client kingdoms or provinces. So Publius Licinius Nerva, not the later Emperor Nerva, different Nerva, uh, proprietor, uh, oh, propraetor. This changed propraetor to, to proprietor um, <laughs> in Sicily. <laughs> um, maybe, is, I wonder if that's where the word comes from. It's probably not. It's probably just a coincidence. Yeah. Um, so he follows this edict to a T and, and immediately frees 800 slaves on the island of Sicily that are from allied Roman nations. This backfires immediately. Um, a, because these guys have nowhere to go, and B, because the slaves who are still in bondage, and there's a lot of them, are like, well, what the fuck? Like, why do, why do they get to go? What the f-? <laughs> And so they're all pissed, and so they're, like, simmering and getting ready to, like, fuck shit up and nervous sees this and he, he he panics and he's just like uh i take it all back you guys aren't free anymore either <laughs> which is like also the dumbest decision yeah, yeah because yeah. now everyone's just like okay fuck this and so <laughs> yeah so they how, revolt how can you make a uh, bad situation worse yeah. <laughs> um yeah he just he poured oil right on that fire yeah um uh, <laughs> so uh silvius um takes charge, changes his name to Tryphon, um, declares himself king of the slaves, and um, he takes the fortress at Triocala. And he and his chief strategist, who's a guy named Athenion, uh, draw, up, draw up battle plans. Yeah. Long story short, after years of fighting, uh, Tryphon's death and his succession by Athenion, um, the Romans eventually smashed the rebellion uh, in 100 BCE. And legend, legend has it that they take uh, a thousand of the insurgents that are captured and they send them back to Rome to fight beasts in the arena uh, for the amusement of the screaming masses. Now, these guys all made a pact with one another. They were like, I'm not going to fucking die so some bullshit Roman can fucking get his rocks off while he's like eating pig guts in some fucking arena. I'm not doing that. So they all agree that anytime they're brought out into the arena together, they'll just kill each other. And instead of fighting any animals or fighting each other, they'll just quietly, no sound, no fuss, just slit each other's throats or stab each other, whatever. And that the last man standing in any of these events will fall on his own sword and kill himself. And the Roman crowds are kind of disappointed in this, but also it shows, it, it creates... It's a dreary, <laughs> that's a dreary event. Dude. It's super dreary. It's like not fun at all. And yeah, you're just watching a bunch of guys quietly kill themselves. Look, like if that like, was the, the movie fuck? Gladiator, people wouldn't have gone to see it. Yeah. Um, but so... <clears throat> This does create popular sentiment in Rome among the people for the slave revolt. And people start to realize, like, oh man, these are like these are like honorable men. The Romans love shit like that. They love these like honorable displays of fucking suicide and violence and whatever. And it's it plays on their Now I don't push your legs. Others have their turn to flex. is up next. All these so-called players up in the rap game. Got brothers on the corner selling cook cocaine. It used to be Latoya and Jim Hats. But now it's Uzi's Max and G-Packs of cracks. Everybody psycho or some type of good fellow. But me, I keep it real. That's all swan like jello. Don't drink crystal and I can't stand more. Never receive currency for moving a kilo. Or an ounce, make them bounce to this fake pimp free flow. I never knew hustlers confessed in stereo. Or on video get caught, you know who turns states. Evidence, murder, weapon, confession, and fingerprints. Mama always said watch what comes out your mouth. Tight case for the DA from here to down south. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Like King Solomon's wealth You're a player But only because You be playing yourself With all that big willy talk Hot you're playing yourself With all that big gun talk Bop you're playing yourself With all that rah 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 And anyway This brings us to the Third Servile War Which is probably the one That you've heard about um, And it's famous For a few reasons So firstly 
um, while the first two Servile Wars were contained to the island of Sicily, which is close to the mainland, but it's still separated by the Straits of uh, Messenia. Um, or Masana, something like that. There's a there's water between them, and these slaves they don't have access to boats, so they're, it's on Sicily, and there's they're, they're not a threat to Rome. Um, <clears throat> this revolt takes place on the Italian mainland, on the peninsula, and so immediately the folks in Rome, the fat cats, you know, the rich who are going to be eaten, are nervous because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh -oh. they could come and do bad stuff to us. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> what a ruby wreck? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> calm down, Scoob. <laughs> Zoinks, like, calm down, Scoob. I can't do Shaggy. I don't know. Um, so, um, so as I so right, so they're they're in Italy, which is scary already. Um, the second reason it's famous is that it is by far the largest in terms of like military scope. Um, yeah. The battles are more fiercely pitched, and there is a way greater chance of this insurrection actually accomplishing something or succeeding um, than in any of these previous rebellions. And third, uh, it is led by a particular, or at least partially led by a particularly famous motherfucker named Spartacus. Um, that's right. Spartacus is a real person, not just some yeah. male model with abs on a Showtime show. Although he probably did have abs. I mean, let's be real. He was probably a stud. So, uh, in 73 BCE, a group of around 200 enslaved gladiators in the famous Capuan, Capuan Ludus, which is a gladiator school or academy, uh, owned by Lentulus Batiatus, plotted to escape their enslavement and get out of the peninsula. Or, well, their, their motives are unclear, but they don't want to be gladiators anymore. They're fucking fed up. So, goal one is to just break out of the school. So, Capua is in southern Italy, near the toe of the boot, if you, if you think of it as the boot, which everyone does. Um, and so, these guys are in a tough spot, since they have no ships, and Italy is a peninsula. They're surrounded on all sides, or on three sides, south, east, and west, by the Mediterranean Sea. And then, to the north of them, is, like, the entire peninsula of Italy, which is, like, one long march. And then, at the north of that is the Alps, which are, like, <laughs> another insurmountable thing. So, they're in a tough spot, right? Like, they're free now, but there's not really anywhere for them to go. And they're so they free, either but they're to, fucked. Yeah, they're free, but they're fucked. And so they either have to fight their way through the entirety of the Roman Peninsula, which, if they just, like, gunned it north, they might have been able to do. But right now, keep in mind, they're just a force of, like, two or three hundred people. And huh. so it's not like that's really an option. And <clears throat> so anyway, they're in a tough spot. It's going to be a tough escape. So, eventually, as the story goes, in Plutarch, which is the account that I use the most for this, just because I feel like Plutarch's account makes the most sense to me. Um, yep. Not that you can always trust Plutarch or any of these guys, but I don't know. His, his narrative of this seemed the least fantastical and far-fetched to me. So, we're going to mostly go with Plutarch. Um, <clears throat> their plot was betrayed uh, by one of their own. There's 200 conspirators. Somebody blabs. And so... Realizing that they don't have a lot of time left, like 60 or 70 of them break into the kitchens at the Ludus um, and take whatever they can find. Knives and cleavers and, and, and spits for roasting pigs and whatever they can, whatever's sharp that they can take. Um, <clears throat> and they storm their way out of the Ludus proper. They yep. kill the few guards and they break into the armory where they more properly arm themselves with gladiatorial weapons. Um, so gladiatorial weapons, I know I said that gladiator shit was fixed, um, but they fought with real weapons. They're, they're, they're actual swords and shields and shit like that. Um, but they're hardly practical, and they're definitely not a match for um, the now uniform and super superior gear that any like professional Roman army soldier would carry. Um, they've got, like, you know, it's designed for entertainment value and sort of unique exhibition combat. So you've got tridents and nets and 
you know, weird helmets and, like, shoulder armor, but not, like, complete soldier's gear. Uh-huh. But whatever, you can kill a guy with a lot of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the group is led by two Gauls, uh, Oenimus, I think it's Oenimaus, I don't really know how to say it, en- Enimaus, uh, and Crixus. Oenimaus, Oenimaus, yeah. I don't know. <coughs> Crixus, who you've probably heard about, Crixus is kind of famous, and yeah. uh, a Thracian named Spartacus. So the Thracians uh, are a sort of pseudo-Greek people um, from the Balkan region north of Greece proper. Um, and they're similar in a lot of respects kind of culturally to uh, the Macedonians, who over the past couple centuries have become heavily um, Greekified. <laughs> uh, yeah. But traditionally, the Thracians and the Macedonians have a lot in common with one another. G- Greekified according to the Macedonians, according to the Greeks. Right. But, I mean, you know, it's true, though, that by any account, the Macedonians have become much more like of an urban and sort of, quote-unquote, developed people. Um, And so the Thracians are sort of always straddling the line, at least in Greek and Roman eyes, (laughs) really in Greek eyes, because the Greeks felt the same way about the Romans, too, uh, between civilized and barbarian. Um, So Spartacus was either uh, actually a Thracian, and would have been either captured um, in combat against the Romans, or would have been a Thracian serving as a Roman auxiliary, um, who, for whatever reason, was sentenced to slavery for some crime or another. Or um, he was just known as a Thracian according to his gladiatorial combat style, of which Thracian was was one of the main styles. So a, a Thrax or, or a Thracian. Um, was a particular gladiator who would fight. He would wear this large sort of crested helmet. He would have this this round shield and then this short little curved sword. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and they would most popularly be matched up against mer- uh, mer- Mermilos, uh, which were the gladiators that were designed usually to represent like Roman legionaries. Yeah. Um, and so they would like represent like Greeks or Thracians or whatever, which is why they were called that, um, and be used in combats that were representative of, of like Roman conquest in the Greek world. So either he was from Thrace or he just was a Thracian-style gladiator. Um, yep. Either one or both could be true. Um, so they set out, this group, um, to plunder the surrounding region because they got to get some food and they got to get some better gear. Um, and they also have to find a place to stay and, and figure out a plan. So they end up defeating a small Roman garrison um, and getting uh, even better equipment. So still not legionary equipment, but probably chain mail and spears and short swords and whatever, helmets. Um <clears throat> And they're now trying to gather more warriors and, and just figure out what to do. So they eventually make camp on the, the sides of Mount Vesuvius, which is the Mount Vesuvius that would later uh, explode and, and, and kill lots of people, very famously. Um, yep. <clears throat> and so while they're up there on Mount Vesuvius, Rome sends a praetor to capture them, one Gaius Claudius Glaber. <laughs> I like the name Glaber. Uh, <laughs> it's probably like Glaberius or something, but he's known as Glaber. So he's Glaber. Yeah. Um, who assembled a hastily formed militia of 3,000 raw recruits to take the the force under Spartacus uh, on the side of Mount Vesuvius. Now, it's important to note there aren't, like, exact figures for, like, how fast, you know, Spartacus's forces are growing. But by now they've got a, a few thousand people because um, folks are kind of flocking to them. People that are either, you know, slaves are escaping and saying, fuck it, like, I'm joining this group. Or even, like, other, like, really downtrodden um local farmers and stuff who are just, like, upset at being smashed under the yoke of Roman oppression are kind of saying, fuck it. Like, let's fuck shit up. My life sucks. Like, I feel like I'm starving to death anyway. Let's go fucking kill some Romans. Um, and in the south of Rome, there are still a lot of Greeks and a lot of people that consider themselves non-Romans. Um, <clears throat> 
So Glaber settles at the base, the base of Mount Vesuvius, and his plan is basically just to starve out the gladiators. He's just going to try to besiege them, um, and sort of figures like eventually they'll just get hungry and they'll give up. But this is this is the thing. So even though a lot of these guys are not like trained Roman soldiers per se, um, these gladiators are a they know how to fight, and b they're really they're really clever. Um, and so Spartacus and Crixus and Onimaus. Uh, order them to make ropes and ladders out of vines from the local forests on the side of the mountain. And they rappel down cliffs on the opposite side of the, the, the mountain face and sneak around at night and surprise Glaber's forces from behind and just fucking massacre them. And again, these are like raw militia recruits. These are not legionaries. These are just like young people that have been propped up and thrown some basic old equipment and been like, all right, let's go kill some slaves. You know, they don't yep. think it's going to be a big deal. And so until this point in Rome, they're not really thinking of this as, like, a rebellion or an insurrection. It's like a, a rash of crimes. It's like, a, oh, there's an yeah. increase in unrest in the South, and they're not really worried about it. But now they're like, okay, like, we got to figure something out to do about this. Whoops. Um, <clears throat> so, um, as I said, like, over the years, there's more and more people flocking to them. And it gets to the point where in, like, 73, 72... Um, at this point, Spartacus is commanding a force of like 70,000 men, um, which is huge. And again, this is like Plutarch. It could have been more, could have been less. Definitely probably wasn't more. Probably was a little <laughs> less. But it's suffice it to say, it's a, it's a force uh, that's big enough to have everyone in Rome kind of fucking freaking out. Um, yeah. uh, ancient historians notoriously like to just throw, throw out huge numbers. Yeah, they just pick a number and they're like, that's it. Yeah. So... Um, <clears throat> Contemporary Roman historians disagree on a lot here. Um, there basically is no general consensus as to A, um, the motive of this rebellion force, B, whether it even was just one force. Uh, there's there's historians that describe, you know, Crixus and Oenomaus and other leaders who crop up kind of taking their own sections of them because they want different things, and sometimes they work together, sometimes they don't. That kind of makes sense. Um they also disagree on, like, what they're looking for. Um, you know, there are some who said that Spartacus wanted to march on Rome and overthrow the Senate. Now, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I can't see this guy uh, deciding that, like, once he's had this string of victories, like, what he needs to do is, like, conquer the most heavily fortified city on planet Earth. Um, but, I don't know, crazier shit's happened, I guess. Rome has mm -hmm. been sacked before, and it will be sacked again, so maybe that was his plan. Um, there's other people who kind of play on the you know, quote-unquote barbarian identity of a lot of these guys and like oh, all they wanted was bloodshed they just wanted to rampage around italy murdering and raping and stealing until they couldn't rape and steal and murder anymore and they're just animals um but plutarch who i don't know this makes the most sense to me um has the idea that the, the eventual goal of this group was just to gather enough men that they could break through the Roman fortifications, get through the Alps, and then just everyone can disperse and try to go home. And yep. I don't know. I like that narrative. To me, that makes sense. If I was leading this group and I had a goal, that would be it. Let's get the fuck out of here, right? <laughs> yep. Um, and maybe we can take some riches and get some glory on the way, but let's get the fuck out of here. This place is crazy, and I hate it. Yeah. Screw you guys. <laughs> I am going home. So either way, um, regardless of what the truth of it is, um, things start to go south for these rebels starting in 72 BCE. Um, so the Senate sends two consuls, uh, Gellius and Clodianus. Um, Clodianus is uh, a progenitor of the Claudian family. They, they changed the spelling uh, and the pronunciation over time, but um, his family will go on to be important. Um, 
and they engage the forces uh, of Crixus, who, for whatever reason, has split off from um, the bigger force, and they're further north. They're just north of Rome. They've almost reached uh, Cisalpine Gaul, and <clears throat> they're making a run for the Alps. And nearly this entire 30,000-man force is slaughtered by uh, Gellius and Clodianus. Um, sources disagree on the exact course of the war uh, over the next year. Um, there's a uh, disagreement about why Spartacus was down in the south, uh, whether it was strategic or whether there was a falling out, what his plan was, or whether maybe this was an expeditionary force to try to break through and then they could, you know, bring up the rear. Who knows? Um, but um, it is clear that the forces had split, and at this point, Spartacus is still south of Rome. Um, so at this point, um, Marcus Licinius Crassus, who will later go on to become part of the triumvirate uh, of Julius Caesar, uh, Pompey Magnus, and himself, um, is a praetor in Rome, and he gets brought into the fray. Um, he's put in charge of, I think, six legions or seven legions, <coughs> um, which are summoned, and the Senate gives them permission to enter Italy. Um, and so, like, all bets are off. Like, once you're going yeah. up against Roman legions in, like, the late Republican, early Imperial period... Unless you got some really lucky, fucky shit going on, especially if you're just, like, in Italy, like, and you've got nowhere to go, you about to get your shit pushed in. Like, it's just going to be a bad time for you. Unless, not this time, but another time, the legions are led by Crassus. Right. Well, totally. Yeah. No. This is not to say that Crassus is, like, renowned as a military leader, because it will come up later. He, he will get owned in the future. Yes, he will. Hard. Yes, he will. <laughs> Um, but also, uh, of note, Crassus uh, does go on to become, like, potentially the richest human ever to have lived. Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy. We mentioned him in our Mansa Musa episode. Call back. Go back and listen to that. Um, he's also a contender for, like, potentially wealthiest human ever. Yeah. Um, and he does that by being, like, a slumlord and owning, like, a private fire department where, like, if your house catches fire. This is Crassus you're talking about. Yeah. If your house catches fire and uh, <laughs> yeah. and you don't pay him, like, they just, like, won't put it out. Or sometimes they would, like, threaten to set your house on fire. Today and... they would call this uh, racketeering. <laughs> yes. Or, like, the dream of every libertarian, which is, like, why waste yeah. our tax dollars on wasted public fucking uh, yeah. expenses. But anyway, um, we're really shitting on libertarians today. Well, they deserve to be shitted on. They're dirty I, little piggies. I would like to just take a moment to make a brief disclaimer that uh, Evan and I are not pro-shitting on anyone. Uh, we don't engage in scat play. We don't find that to be okay. Um, there are absolutely not videos available on various different dark websites of us engaging in scat play. Evan dressed up as a wolf and saying, let me breastfeed you with my brown milk. Yeah, that, yeah. none of that happens. Yeah. Um, so just don't these videos are absolutely not available for the low low price of 99.99 plus shipping and handling uh you cannot in any way shape or form purchase and view these in the comfort and safety of your own home call within the next 20 minutes to receive a complimentary pack of uh of left on red brand glow sticks stick them wherever you want they glow um so we've got um <laughs> Okay, so so over the course of 71, um, these six or seven legions, I forget how many, and I didn't write it down because I'm a bad researcher, um, <clears throat> they march south, and they slowly but surely divide and massacre Spartacus's army. Um, the gladiators fight fiercely, and there actually are huge casualties on both sides. Um, you know, there are minor victories for Spartacus, but at this point, the tides have just fully turned, and he's not, he's on the run. He's like, 
just getting pushed further and further south. And what's south? The ocean. And uh, eventually, he's uh, there's going to be nowhere to go. Um, <clears throat> and there's just no there's no comparison between their victories against like these like hastily formed local militias and, and town garrisons versus fighting, you know, quote unquote, an experienced Roman commander, but more importantly, uh, veteran Roman legions that have just spent the last, you know, a hundred years fighting way worse foes than them. Um, at the same time, uh, Gnaeus Pompeius Magnus or Pompey Magnus, um, is, is also heading back from war in Hispania. Um, and while he doesn't end up directly engaging Spartacus, uh, Spartacus and his forces do get word of the fact that even if they manage some stunning, like, come-from-behind victory uh, and <sighs> and finally defeat and break through um, Crassus's forces, right behind them just entering the peninsula are the forces of, like, a far more devastatingly effective general and, like, an equal number of really fresh, really experienced Roman troops who have had time to rest and are ready to fuck up some slaves. Yeah. So it's it's just a completely hopeless situation at this point, which is, which is you know, shitty because you're pulling for these guys. Like, being a slave sucks, and you want them to, like, have this heroic escape and get out of, get out of this hellscape that they live in. But unfortunately, the Romans are famous for a reason, and it is not being nice. Um, they're famous for killing, and they're yep. real good at it. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, the final-ish battle, um, at the, uh, Salarian River, which is, like, the last pitched battle. They're still mopping shit up after this, but the Battle of the Salarian River, um, Spartacus himself dies near the end of 71. Um, he's never found, he's never identified, um, no one knows what he looked like, no one knows how old he was. Um, they didn't capture him, I'm sure if they had, they would have paraded him through the city and then killed him or whatever. Um, after the war of this force, which at one point was... Potentially as large as seventy to eighty thousand people. There are six thousand rebels uh, left, and they are captured alive uh, and lined up and crucified on the sides of the Appian Way, which is one of the main roads leading into Rome. Um, and this is a strong message to basically everyone: slaves, peasants, anyone who might get any big ideas. Stay down. You're not slave shall serve. Yep, you are not gonna win. Uh, even <laughs> the great Spartacus, and he had become kind of a folk hero at this point. People were afraid of him, but he would later, over the next century, be heavily romanticized, and um, you know the, the Romans sort of turned him into this this cultural figure. Um, but he lost, and so it's like, what chance do you have if you know the greatest slave rebellion of all time couldn't match against the legions? What are what are you going to do? Yeah, so this is the point where the Roman view on slavery kind of pivots and takes a turn um this last servile war is the last servile war um but it was also really scary for a lot of roman people specifically in rome who had this idea and the upper classes who were made acutely aware of the fact that like okay a there's too many slaves and b maybe they're upset because we're not treating them so good (laughs) and so you start to see a lot of the plantation owners uh, out in the countryside reducing the number of slaves they have um, now, a lot of this is because so many slaves just got killed, you know, over the last century. Um, so there are less of them, but they, they heavily – Roman citizens become increasingly wary of having too many slaves. They're distrustful of them. So it's not like their uh, better treatment comes from a place of, like, <laughs> like loving and caring, because if that was the case, they just wouldn't enslave them. Um, but it's, it's an acknowledgement of you can't let too many of these people get together in one place because – we're not treating them too good, and they will try to fucking kill us. So, you know, hey, sometimes it takes, you know, a century of uh, bloody war and rebellion to get a point across. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, 
these events played heavily into Roman history, and uh, slavery kind of goes away slowly over time. And in what much of Western Europe, it's just like not really a thing, you know, in the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages. And I think a lot of it has to do with this. We have the folk body snatcher. We folk the delegate that got you. Hard enough that I could chew a whole back of rock. To an avenue, to an off street and off block. To turn around and do the same damn thing to a soloist. Cause Reggie Noble's piss. I crushed the whole brain frame. Cause you couldn't maintain the funk. They have your rap style for lunch, job. Cause 92, I take a whole crew. Give them a punch of the funk, not all of their go to loose. I'll show you what type of stuff I'm on. You can't pump or slip it. Because I was born with it. The Bocadelic Devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rump. If you like the way the sound pump, pump it in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops. Straight out of Jersey. You heard me, my brother. I'm laughing. <laughs> Time for some back, yeah. Dark Age. No such thing as the Dark Ages. I know, I know. <laughs> but people are aware of the term, and so I use it. Yeah, Late antiquity. Sure, 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 Evan. Yeah, get the fuck out of here, man. Well, <laughs> the fuck? Late antiquity. More like late and breastfeed these little baby boys. Fucking nailed it, dude. <laughs> Fucking racket. I knew what dude. you were thinking of, you weirdo. Dude, just draining threes over here. Fuck. I know. Yeah, you can call me Charles Barkley. <laughs> What the, why would you choose Charles Barkley? It's a joke, because he's oh, like, okay. notoriously not a great three-point shooter. Yeah. Who, I don't know, Shaq? Would that have been a more obvious joke? Oh, yeah, if I was talking about free throws, for sure. Fucking running that 40%. Well, he wasn't shooting threes, either, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know fucking anything about basketball. Um, so, yeah, that's my episode today. Uh, uh, you have anything you want to add? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, great. Well, yep. thanks for... Let's, un- let's wrap this shit up. All right. Oh, okay, yeah. Another good Man, one thanks there. for coming. Thanks, thanks for bringing the same, uh, the same heat that I brought for you last week. I appreciate it. <laughs> this whole time, you're just like, let's get this show on the road. Let's get this fucking over with. Let's do this shit. Let's all right. Go. All okay. right. Sick of the woods. All right. Here we go. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Um, as always, we will have all the usual information in our show notes, uh, contact information, blah, blah, blah. Um, Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. And keep telling folks about us because it means a lot. And we, yes. we're we still a word-of-mouth podcast. We ain't famous. So get that word out there, and uh, we'll keep doing our part, which, uh, you know, hopefully won't be too much of a chore for Evan in the future. Well, how is this a chore for me I'm today? Just, what the fuck are you I'm talking just, about? I'm just teasing you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, yep. we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Bye. Oh. I know I'm drunk now. Ladies and gentlemen, I, for, I forgot my favorite man sitting over there. His name is Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, won't you quit? You really make me sick with your fraudulent behavior. You're gonna make me flip and then an army couldn't save you. Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid, because I know I'm not paranoid. When I say I saw you trying to mock me, now you and your crew are on a mission trying to hawk me. 
that it isn't happening, you fraudulent foes. You used to front big time, now I suppose that everything's cool since the style of apparel you adopted. You used to make fun of, but now you want to rock it. So you got to kick it with the homies. But D.E.L. is already hip to your cronies. Me and C.O.P. thought about this and never have we seen a brother who would hover like Mr. 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 Dabalina. Dabalina. The style of dress is not the key, Dabalina. It's on the mind and the heart, so you should start by remembering you gotta pay a fee, Dabalina. Double. 